Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Diana Rothfuss, global leader for fraud and financial crime from SAS. Welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you, Theo. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me. Same here. It's been a while since you and I um, actually met and catch up in Amsterdam. That's always one of my favorite city, and uh, it was it was so nice to actually finally meet you in person. But before we start, can you tell our audience a little bit more about what you do at SAS and the journey that brought you there? Yeah, no, definitely.、Um, so, oh my my journey to SAS has been has been an interesting one. So I I don't think I ever thought I'd be in the data analytics world. Um, when I when I first journeyed into college, but、um, I've been at SAS now a little over five years, and you know prior to being at SAS, I I would say I held all kinds of interesting roles,、um, especially when you're talking about females and and male dominated industries. I've worked、um, in the automotive industry. I've worked in publishing.、Um, I, I actually worked for Motor Trend、uh, magazine for. Two years doing public relations, so I got to go around and go to the different auto shows, which was exciting. I learned a lot about automotive there,、um, but really jumping into financial services, I ended up working at、um, now a large regional bank、um, up in Buffalo. And what I ended up doing was kind of being on the back end and working with our、um, business customers. But also how we presented ourselves from like a business standpoint and what that looked like, and that was things you know from, oh geez, that was you know backend operations, it was、um, website, it was everything. So it was a great starter position to really get me understanding the world of financial services and a bank, and really what it looks like. And if, I, if I'll go back and date myself, this was actually. Prior to a lot of the AML KYC stuff, so <laughs> this was a while ago.、Um, interesting part about that is、um, I left after being there for two years, and I went to an IT distributor that was in Buffalo. So I know I jumped into technology a little bit.、Um, different types of roles, though. You know, my my in general, my role has always been around marketing strategy and communications. Um, also, sales enablement, internal enablement—you know, any way to really improve internal procedures for others, as far as communication,、um, how we build and shape things, to also how we showcase ourselves externally、um, from a product standpoint. So, you know, in IT, I kind of did the same thing. I did a lot of communication, did a lot of traveling, building—you know—master class circles, things like that. But. You know, ultimately, I really had a fascination after being with the bank of just you know really learning about what brings things together and what does stuff look like on the back end and how can you know as as you know you sit in the role of being within a financial institution, how can we make that a better experience for customers and what does that look like? So ultimately, I ended up back at the bank for five years, and it was great. I mean, I had a chance to do PR, I had a chance to help build product strategy, and now you're really kind of bringing yourself into the mobile age, right? You know, when I was there, I had、um, a great hand in how we took some of our products and started to make them digital. How you started to get into mobile banking, what that looked like on your telephone, for instance. You know, before we had the Before we had all the Apple versions that we have right now, and、um, and honestly, really be 
hands-on with developing our um, AML and KYC procedures as all of that started to come ahead. Um, and that was interesting because that was really my first, I should say, insight as to what the world of fraud looks like from um, a financial services perspective. You know, you'd always heard about stealing cards and numbers and whatnot. And I think that's that's been around for a while. But, you know, all of the other facets of it, and especially how companies can be impacted, how customers are impacted by those decisions. And, um, you know, I, I really would like to say, I think that kind of drew me to do more with that area of um, the bank. Uh, fast forward, I was, uh, I ended up being pregnant with twins and my husband got relocated down to North Carolina. So when we came down here, um, you know, obviously I had to leave my job at the bank. And when I was looking to get back into the workforce, you know, I'd really stumbled upon SAS. And at that point, you know, I think in my career, I was really looking for a good company culture fit. I mean, especially when you're, you know, a working parent with three young children, you know, you want to be able to know that you have the flexibility. Um, we all know there's really no balance, but a company that supports work-life balance and, you know, supports you just as a family and um, wants to see you as a person develop. And then um, a role came open for doing uh, product marketing work, but they were looking for somebody who had a specialist hand in financial services. So when I came in, I found out it was for our fraud security intelligence division. And that is where I've been really for, um, you know, over the last five years. And I'll tell you, it has opened my eyes a lot to data and AI. Um, you know, I say from the beginning, I don't know if I was always a believer, but now knowing the good that AI can do and understanding how it can help people how it can help people, but also how it can help, you know, companies be better towards their customers. And, um, you know, really, in, in a sense, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not a police officer, I don't stop like the, you know, I don't stop the criminals on the streets, but it's kind of nice to know that stuff that I'm working on can stop those criminals that you can't see, like the ones behind the scenes that are trying to do damage in different ways. And, um, you know, it makes me really proud of my job. So, now I'm here, I'm talking to you, which is fantastic. You know, I would, my career has blossomed a lot over the last five years and I've had such great support. So, um, so yeah, that, that is, that is my long short story as to how I've gotten where I am and why I'm now working in analytics. So. I love that. I think you are the only person I remember in recent weeks that told me that you were actually fascinated with the operations in the bank, so much so that you had to go back. Mm -hmm. Normally I see people <laughs> go one way, <laughs> not a round trip. So that is really interesting. I, 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 I caught that. And, um, and I love how you talked about your journey um, from different industries to where you are right now, to the point where we, Matt's because part mm -hmm. of my, um, I wouldn't say the first journey, I switched industries a few times, but one of the ones when I first started with telco, which would have been the third industry I was in, this was back in the nineties when we we're still having landline yeah. was a fraud product. Um, mm -hmm. we were creating fraud product for telcos using creating rules, 
mm -hmm. um, analyzing call detail records that are coming through the network and using that as a means to catch fraudsters. Um, so our paths were somewhat a lot of it yeah. similar in different industry in the very, very 20, 30, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where we are. I am so glad to meet you. Um, and I can't wait. So mm -hmm. earlier you said something about you like a job because part of that is using data analytics and AI, doing things and stopping um, people that are doing bad stuff, um, even though we can't really see it. Tell me a little bit more because the whole topic about data and data analytics and AI has, I would say, exploded in recent mm -hmm. years. Um, how has fraud evolved along that same line in the last few years and what role does tech play? No, and that's a great question. I mean, I think in general, um, <clears throat> I think we we're always moving towards a digital path. I mean, like I said, when I was working, um, you know, back when I was working at the bank and just starting to do mobile products, you know, it was a slow progression. But I mean, it is 100% true based on, you know, consumer demand and throwing the pandemic in there. I mean, we everybody had to go digital. And I think the interesting part about it is the way that fraud has evolved is it's kind of always been the same. It's just gotten more sophisticated. So, you know, it's if you look at fraud trends and, you know, what people were doing, it's a lot of the same things, except now everything's digital. Now, you know, fraudsters are more sophisticated. I mean, you can go online and find fraudsters teaching other fraudsters how to be fraudsters, you know? So it's it's so interesting the way that, you know, this whole new digital environment, the social environment has really exploded fraud and, you know, unfortunately turned people into fraudsters. And um, I'll also say, I think it's interesting too, because I think, you know, over the last couple of years, people that maybe, I'll say maybe not the most sophisticated fraudsters, but people that still commit fraud became fraudsters because, you know, some people just didn't know what to do. There's, I you know, we know there was a lot of mental health. There's a lot of people struggling, um, you know, like the economy has a lot to do with it too. You know, people just, they go to places where they need to go, where they think they need to survive. And so I think it's interesting because a lot of times when you think of fraudsters, and I think this is what sets people back is people just think they're these sophisticated people in front of their computers and they know everything. They've, they've scurried the dark web. They, I mean, they are the top notch, but sometimes it's not always the top notch people. Sometimes it's your internal employee who, you know, just happened to, you know, be able to gain access to certain things, realize how they can skim the system and they do things like that because maybe they feel desperate and they need something. So um, it's interesting the type of fraudsters that have evolved, but really, you know, what has made that happen is exactly what I said, everything going digital. Digitalization of things really exploded what we see in fraud right now because so many businesses, people, I mean, even you're talking generations of people that aren't used, weren't used to going digital, had to go digital. And more than 50% of those people did not have the right controls in place to safeguard their identity, for consumers, safeguard their identities, for businesses, safeguard their own organizations. You know, when you talk about working from home and people now on these different networks and, you know, trying to log in from a Starbucks, which might not have a secure line, you know, it's, it's really put ourselves out there with our data and who we are and exposed us as individuals. 
but then it's also created this whole fascinating blueprint of who we are as a digital person and you know the importance of that and that's kind of where we get into ai a little bit right is you know in order to make ai ai we have to have data on not only just people but organizations habits what you do and um you know that's i think it's extremely important for people to know that for when it comes to ai you know, it, it is important that we continue to keep building the future because if we don't, that's where cracks get exposed. If you don't have the right data and you don't have the right data management systems to make the right decisions, then, you know, frankly, at this point moving forward, you're just going to be lost and not only lost as an organization, but your consumers are going to start to lose as well, which then in turn will impact you. So, um, fraud has just been interesting. And I feel I feel like that's like the one way to put it, you know, it's um, seeing the different trends, seeing the importance of data in decisions and what that really means, even just down to the littlest thing of, you know, somebody knowing that you've logged in from your cell phone to get on your banking account, knowing to that matches up with your IP address on your computer at work or your computer at home. You know, just those little bits of connections and that data that we're able to see and have um, is starting to make a big difference for, for those that want to embrace it. I read something recently about fraud with checks, check washing. And, 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 and it just came back in my mind because of exactly what you said is, you know, fraud has always been that has evolved um, to, di to different means because now people put the checks in the mailbox and then they mail it to have it deposited. People take it and they, um, they change the, the name, right? And then with, with the digital apps and then they redeposit to their own account. So I, I think fraud has always been there. And as you said, it's become more sophisticated we need to educate ourselves better. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's fascinating to, for example, look at the kids education. You have kids and, and I have kids too, and look at what they learn. Mm -hmm. It hadn't seemed like it has evolved to the extent that they need to, since now all of us live in the digital world, how they should behave digitally, yeah. how they should safeguard their finances or, mm -hmm. or what does money mean? Um, I wish they would teach more because I don't need them to know how to balance a checkbook, but I need them to know how to be more careful because mm -hmm. everything is online, as you say. So what are some of the trends um, that we should be on the lookout for in the next uh, nine to 12 months? So I think, well, you hit on the first one. I think, um, you know, what's old is new again. And I feel like we have now used that term so many times, but it's so true. And you just brought up the first one is check fraud. I mean, whoever thought check fraud was going to be a thing again, right? I mean, it's um, it's because we shifted focus so much on credit cards and, you know, how they can be exposed that we've kind of lost sight, um, you know, the other means. And to your point, people, people are still ordering checks and it was just a big hole that's exposed. And check fraud is one of the largest growing um, you know, frauds that's out there right now. So I, what I think you'll see is a lot of, um, you're going to see a lot of institutions definitely go in and take a look at their, their fraud systems, 
they'll go and take a look at how they can safeguard mobile check deposit better, seeing how, you know, just that whole interaction and process is definitely going to change with how we get received deposit checks. <clears throat> but then you also have things like scams. You know, you would think like your general scams, like your, you know, Prince of Nigeria, your romance scams, given what happened, they even get a little bit more sophisticated. So because what's happening and the reason why it has to get more sophisticated is because originally they targeted, you know, a whole age group that didn't, you know, have the digital knowledge, didn't really know what was going on. But now that they're getting older, but now that we're getting older and we are more knowledgeable in the things we should look for, same scams, they're just getting extremely well. And I mean, I've seen some come across that if I personally didn't have the knowledge that I had as to looking at, you know, the, the URLs, making sure the punctuations, just the little things. I mean, you could glance over that so quickly in the busy world that we're at and you could click it. Um, I can't even tell you how many times in the last like three weeks I've gotten text messages that have said, oh, your Amazon account is locked or you can no longer get into your Netflix account. Please click here. And, you know, for people that are moving too fast, even I mean, it doesn't even have to deal with age. We move so fast as a society that like, I mean, you could just not even think about it and accidentally click it. And it happens every single day. So they're getting smarter about what that looks like. Um, business email compromises actually become huge again, but it's interesting because it's not so much like, oh, we need you to transfer funds or, oh, this deal came in. They're actually now going through vendors. So they're kind of posing in and sending in invoices like this needs to be paid. They're, be, they're able to infiltrate a business's system to actually see what vendors they have, what they work with develop these invoices, get in because they've compromised somebody's email and get a, have like a vendor quote sent and approved and signed. And that's happening to more smaller to medium sized businesses. So, I mean, unfortunately it will happen in large businesses as well, but these smaller to medium sized businesses where you have such intimate relationships, but maybe not the most sophisticated systems to catch things, um, you know, are really being preyed upon heavily. Um, and I think we're just going to see more of that. And I think that also has to deal with probably one of the other things. And I know some people will probably roll their eyes, but convergence, what is it? Fraud and financial crimes, frammel. Um, what we've kind of termed it as is the term of like enterprise decisioning. And what I mean by that is it's really taking a holistic approach and all of your data in your organization in all of your lines of business. So I think in the past, you know, the term convergence and, you know, bringing everything together. I mean, it is really scary because in some organizations you're like, well, how am I going to bring these departments together? How can I bring everything together? But that like you don't need to do that with the right sophisticated systems internally, the right orchestration hubs to be able to ingest data and make the right decisions. You don't need to, you know, yes, your frog guys and your AML guys can sit in a room and talk, but they don't need to, you know, be one big team together. They can work together and still have their areas. So we're not talking about merging internal organizations. It's merging their data and it's becoming smarter and it's educating the different lines of business on what the different data types look like. So there's so many different ways that you know, if you can, if you can break down, I'll call the internal data silos, because I'm not even going to call them organization silos, they're data silos. If you can break those down and bring them together between, you know, marketing, risk, 
fraud AML, you can truly make the better decisions, which keep the fraudsters out of your front door. So they're not even trying to get in because you have too much data to stop them. You have too many safeguards. And I mean, really, in the end of the day, it's not only better for your organization, but it's better for your customers too. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they are what's important because businesses wouldn't be functioning if they weren't alive. Um, I think the last point I will say is, you know, you kind of hit on this a little bit with the AI. I think you'll see more of a push and focus on AI, the ethics around AI, ethical AI. You know, I know it has a bunch of different names, but um, it, it's hard because everybody's idea of what AI is, is different, right? So depending on who you work with, who you talk to, what does that mean? And I think there is still a big stigma around AI and how we use it. And are, you know, do we use it for good? How is it being used? And I think really showing people how AI is used for good and what it really is doing. I mean, and it's not just businesses. I, you know, I understand I work for an organization, but it's the people on the planet. I mean, AI has the ability to do great things and there's no need to be nervous about it. Um, you know, as I I say that and I joke because I work in fraud and that is people taking AI and doing bad things. But that's where we're able to help is there are also, well, you know, some people do things with with data that they shouldn't be doing. There are things that happen all over the world that people do that they shouldn't be doing with lots of things. Um, so I, I really think we're going to see more people embrace AI for the positive, but see also what they can do with that. Um, you know, not just making money, but how we can how we can help people. I think that I think people truly want to help people. And, you know, I think that that'll be a big thing as well. I had to chuckle um, <laughs> when you when you talk about using uh, AI for good and embrace it and not just about making money, because that's. <laughs> personal opinion is what I feel like was a lot of the quote unquote breakthroughs on especially generative AI that is out in the marketplace. I do agree that we need to continue the innovation. We need to continue using the technology because there are a lot of good sides to it. Um, I, I think where we fall is the incentive behind pushing some of these technologies out. We know that there are problems. We know there are bias. So there are two ways of doing it. One is baby step to make sure that we don't damage the world when we roll it out. The other one is, well, let's throw it out and let people fix it. Um, and that has repercussions that I'm not sure if we think through and it makes me question the motive is <laughs> to your point yeah. are we are we doing it to make money or we actually truly wanted to leverage technology to do good for people and planet because there are tons of things we can do with it that mm -hmm. i think will be amazing so i i i agree this is going to be a very interesting topic to explore this year and scams don't get me started on that oh i know <laughs> i i i i I think they do prey on people's busy life. Mm -hmm. um, I often get texts in here that says, oh, you know, you're, like you said, you know, your account is locked. Or um, one that I see often as people that say, we can't deliver this package. You mm -hmm. need to come in and fix the address. 
Okay. Um, so more, more to come. Hopefully, hopefully we will get smarter as they do get smarter. I do want to switch gear a little bit, knowing that it is March. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as is March, this is the only month that women typically become very visible because all of a sudden everyone realized, wait a minute, there is the other 51% of the population we need to pay attention to. This is not my cynical self-talking. No. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Thinking back, 1980. Ouch, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. President Jimmy Carter, his speech to the nation, destinating March 2nd to the 8th as National Women's History Week. That was back in 1980. And he said, understanding the true history of our country will help us to comprehend the need for full equality under the law for all our people. Seven years after he made the speech in 1987, again, long time ago, Congress declared March as National Women's History Month in perpetuity. Looking back at how how far we have come as a country, how far we have come as a gender, how come Mm -hmm. we have come as a movement and how much further we still have to go. Can you share with us, Diana? What are your thoughts on where we are exactly um, on the state of gender equality? Any a little bit of, of guidance, positive guidance, um, <laughs> lights, please? Yeah. Oh, no, gosh, that is a great question. Um, I will say that's actually a great question being a mom of two girls. You know, I think you you tend to think about those things more and and they do sit with you a little bit more, especially as you get older. Oh, you know, I think you hit it. We've, we've come so far and we still have a long way to go, but I think, you know, I sitting in my seat, I think it's hard, you know, as a, as, as a female, um, you know, up to maybe like the last year, two years, a couple years before that, we're pretty hard being a female. And, you know, it's, it almost felt like you took two steps back. I mean, from, from where we were before and how we were then being treated and being objective in the media and everything. And, you know, now I think what we're starting to see is a more strong female leader stepping up. I I do think that was, um, you know, while I say, I feel like we took a couple steps back a couple years ago, I think that also made us stronger and wanting to come back like 20 steps forward. So um, I think you're seeing more women strong enough to have a voice and wanting to step up. Um, I, I will say I'm probably one of those, right? I mean, I've, I've always been cautious about sitting behind the scenes and doing things. And I, made, I actually made that a personal goal last year that I was going to make sure that I could use my voice for good where I could. And people might not always like my opinions and they might have something to say, but you know, it's, it is my job as a person and as a mom and as a female to empower other females and get them to have confidence and step up. And, and really, I think that's that's the big piece of it. I think as we start to see, while there are a lot of gender biases, I, I think there's some generational biases that also kind of go along with that. And I think as we see our generations get older, we as you know, females, and I will say it's not just females, I think males too, you know, see the need to and the value of having females in power. And we we are equal because I'll tell you, there are 
There are things that everybody does differently. And it's not just about gender. Everybody is different. And whether you whether it's a female and a female, a guy and a guy, like both working together, that guy's gonna have different opinions from the other guy. The female's gonna have different opinions from another female. But I think what I will say that I'm very happy to see, and I see it a lot, um, you know, I will say again, SAS is a great company, but just female empowerment in the workplace and really just other females wanting to mentor and coach younger females. I mean, I'll be honest, that's something I I really wish I would have had when I was younger is just that that one strong female voice. I mean, I my my grandmother was like a huge um, you know fan of mine and my mom as well. So I was raised by very strong women. But I mean, somebody that you work with, you know, just reaching a handout or understanding you're having a tough time or you know just boosting your confidence. And that's personally what I try to strive for at least is, you know, not only just making my voice heard and making people know or other females know that it's okay. We, we are allowed to be confident. We are allowed to speak up and it is a good thing. Um, and, you know, just empower our younger generations to feel that same way. So I think we're getting there. And, and I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see it more and more because you will see more of these generations, more of, you know, even women my age, you know, kind of stepping up and really just taking that place. And as we get older and build that in our younger generations, I think things will things will get there. It's just it's unfortunate it's slow, but at least it's promising that it's getting there. It's okay to speak up and you're not alone. I think that's yeah. what I hear a lot. Um, I do wish I had that. When I started out in the workplace, yeah. I think I went through almost 20 years working yeah. mostly with men. Mm -hmm. um, that's our industry. If you were to leave an advice, not to your younger self, because that's what people <laughs> ask all the time, but to your future self, what would that be? So it's interesting. I... Um... If I think about that, I think of things that, um, you know, I tell my girls all the time. I have, I have two girls, they're, they're, they're twins, they're about to be six, very, very strong-willed girls. And I always tell them to be confident, caring, and, and curious. And what I mean by all that, and I, I try and stand by that myself, right? You know, be confident in who you are. You know, you are where you are at because you're smart you're capable, you have a strong voice, and people admire that in you. Like you are where you are for a reason. And even if you need to get there, you know, be confident. You know, it's it's okay to say what you mean. I mean, when you're talking to a six-year-old, you have to say, you know, respect your adults. But in general, like as as a female, it is important to have that confidence, I think, and really embrace it in whatever that looks like. You know, some people are confident being a, a strong writer and being behind a screen, but maybe not being up on stage and, and talking. Some people are confident in, you know, being the behind the scenes, just a completely anonymous, but they know that they're contributing. So whatever your confidence is, embrace that and really, you know, move forward with it. And, you know, I think in general, we just all need to be more caring and kind towards each other. I, I mean, if we haven't learned that in the last couple of years, 
I, I don't know who hasn't. But I mean, it goes a long way to really connect with people, whether they're people you work with or people in your life and just care, right? I mean, it, it doesn't take much to care. You just sit and listen. Um, and then honestly, I know it's, I know other people might say it too, because I know it's one of, you know, SAS's themes is being curious because you don't get anywhere by just sitting. So like continuing to push myself to be a curious person, you know, um, we don't come up with the technologies we have with just sitting back and looking at what we've done. You know, you have to be curious as to how to fix things. How can we do things differently? And always having that lens on because, you know, if you don't, you tend to kind of just get stuck where you're at. So um, those are kind of like my three, those are my three C's I try to hold to myself. But again, I also try and, you know, enforce those in general, like with, with other females around me. So um, definitely the confidence piece though. I've had to work on that. I've struggled with that a lot in the past. Um, and I've been very happy to embrace it the last couple of years. I think part of that is also hard when oftentimes we either get told, oh, you know, it's, it's not your place to speak yeah. up, or you say something and people ignore you and then someone else will paraphrase it mm -hmm. and say, well, yeah, this is the greatest idea. And, and if you keep getting beaten down so many times, yeah. after a while, you're kind of like, all right. Um, what gives, but I am so glad. So next time I just need to remember whenever I feel like, oh my God, this Monday, I can't do it anymore. I'm just going to like email you, Dinah, help. What do I do? <laughs> but this is good. Three C's. Be confident, be caring, and to be curious. Always, always be curious. Before we close, I want to ask you, if you have a wish list, what is the one thing mm. you would wish to change in the world and why? So I think if I think about what I just said about my, my three C's, I've been using the term a lot, grace. And I, I, really, I really wish as a society and as people, and when we could just give each other some grace, you know? Like we're, um, I think if we all kind of looked for, from a lens of not expecting so much out of people and not putting so much pressure on everybody, you know, we, this is talking about everything. It's not just work. It's not just life. I mean, this is how it bleeds even into everybody's mental health and how we think. I mean, just taking a breath and giving people grace, giving yourself grace. I mean, I think we are so hard on ourselves. I will be the first one to admit I can't sit here and say I'm perfect. I am the hardest person on myself. You know, I, I often give myself impossible standards to meet. And, you know, that's something I work on every single day to make sure that I can give myself grace. And, you know, part of that's how I was raised. Part of that's a whole lot of things. But I, I really wish in general we could learn the term grace and embrace it. You know, I think having that towards ourselves and other people would really just change and I think help people. Um, help people be okay being themselves, help people okay making decisions, help people okay with being confident and, you know, really just being who they are. Um, and it's amazing because I do think, and, and I, I personally, you know, from having family members, honestly, who have struggled with mental health and whatnot, um, 
you know, I, I, I love the fact of looking at things with grace because I truly think it does open things up for people that might need help and that might need to not to feel okay, you know, like where they're at and help them get to where they need to be or, you know, just sit and have somebody to talk to and not be so hard on yourself. So especially us moms, man, we are so hard on ourselves. Woof. Because like, we get judged. Ex- oh, gosh. Well, everyone. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, too. It's like, could we make our lives a little bit easier as women and as mothers, working mothers? And by the way, working mothers is not just a mom working in an office. Everybody's a working mother, you know? So it's like, goodness, even just those terms, like, let's just give each other grace. We're all good. Everybody's a great, you know, we're, we're all trying to do the best we can in the world. And I know that might seem naive to some people that everybody feels that way. But I think, you know, truly the majority of people really are just trying to do their best and, you know, let's embrace them and help them if they need help. This is perfect. I love that. Ending on such a positive note. Thank you so much, Diane, for spending yeah. time with us and coming on the show. Yeah, thank um, you. This is this is this is truly wonderful. Um, and for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.